Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. Hey, remember how 20 years ago I switched to Progressive? Well, now it's the future, and I used all those savings to buy this new hologram phone. Because, you know, it's the future, and everything is holograms now. So switch to Progressive and save big, because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Gamecock Nation, what is up? Happy Monday. Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark, another episode of GC Live as we're getting back on this sort of uh, in-season schedule. Excited to have more and more of these GC Live so we can kind of catch up with you um, much more often than we did during the offseason because there's now plenty to talk about, plenty to get to in today's show. But first, going to tell you about our buddy Clint Hammond. He is the presenting sponsor and the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network. His NMLS number is 71597. Email address is chammond, that's the letter C, hammond at mortgagenetwork.com if you're in the market for a new home. Or if you just want to kind of see what that process is all about, maybe you've never bought a home before in your entire life, Clint can help walk you through what can be a daunting process. Make it easy, clintonhammond.com, 803-771-6933. Chris, we've got, um, since we were last on, uh, there was a a little bit of an open practice on Friday. There was a scrimmage on Saturday. There was a commitment on Friday. Um, there's been some injury updates, both from Shane Beamer on Saturday and then from some players themselves earlier today on Monday. And one of South Carolina's top recruiting targets has now set an official announcement date. So as you would expect, it's that time of year, August 15th. No shortage of things for us to talk about today, man. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one of the initial opening thoughts I had is that some Gamecock fans, if they logged on to GamecockCentral.com or when they logged on to GamecockCentral.com after the weekend for scrimmage updates, may have seen your scrimmage, post-scrimmage injury report and gone, oh, no, because there's some big names on there. You know, Marshawn Lloyd, Christian Beal, Jordan Birch, Christian Beal Smith, a lot of guys that are going to start or play significant roles for Carolina this year, in addition to Shane Beamer saying, hey, we had some guys banged up in the scrimmage, didn't name them. You know, we'll see how those guys are. Now, the good news is, Wes, that the named players, the guys that I mentioned, plus some others, Corey Rocker, Landon Sampson, uh, those guys don't appear to be serious injuries. So a bunch of them were expected to come back today, if not at some point this week. So that was a positive. You're exactly right. South Carolina sitting from a numbers standpoint, going to recruiting now about where we thought they would be right in advance of the season or here in August, they're at 17 verbal commitments. We kind of figured somewhere between 15 and 20 was a safe bet. So they're at 17 now with the addition of Vicari Swain this weekend. 
and have a good opportunity to add another one uh, Thursday evening if they can indeed land Camden's Xavier McLeod. So you're exactly right. Bunch going on. Lots going on, man. Let's let's start scrimmage talk um, and uh, let, let's keep it right there with the injuries. I, I think it's always it's one of those things, man. It's so predictable in that. Guess what? You you play football. It is a physical game, and even when you're not tackling to the ground, um, you know, let, let's say pre scrimmage, a lot of these guys that were named, really all the guys that were named, you're not talking about stuff that happened in the scrimmage. It's stuff prior. Um, maybe a guy steps wrong, some just freak little things happen when you have 11 guys on one side and 11 guys on the other moving fast and physically and then running into each other. Like, it's just, it, it's what happens. And, and every single year, I think when the injuries start to pop up, you have people sort of saying, well, well how does this happen? What's going on? Why does this happen? And my answer to this is that not all injuries are created equal. Some injuries can be avoided. Um, you know, you go all the way back to some of the soft tissue issues that South Carolina used to have um, early to mid um, Muschamp era. And then some injuries are just straight up bad luck. And then some injuries are hey, this is an injury, but this guy would be playing if South Carolina had an opponent this week. But it makes no sense at all to get them even more hurt by playing them in a scrimmage. So we don't, and don't get me wrong, we don't have all the exact specific details on every single one of these guys. And I can't say I would expect them all to come back at the exact same time. Like everybody heals a little bit differently. But – Again, I'll go back to they're not all created equal as far as injuries go. The big thing is to avoid the big injuries. And from what we've seen so far, Beamer doesn't think any of these are long-term, except, again, he he talked about how physical this scrimmage was. So that'll be the interesting thing to see. What do they get back? What what information have they gotten back in the couple of days after the scrimmage? are any of these serious, but to the people saying, how does this happen again? Chris, my answer would be, you are always going to have some level of injuries this time of year. You just need to minimize the big injuries. Yeah. And I think there's always going to be this balance between, you know, you made the point earlier today when we were talking that, I mean, it's football guys are playing hurt almost constantly, a difference between hurt and injured. And so, what you want to do is prevent those big injuries. You're going to have injuries that are more minor. You know, Marshawn Lloyd, for instance, described his injury today as just a minor foot sprain. Josh Van didn't say what his was. Both guys continued sitting out. I don't think Van gave, um, you know, a specific timeline. Marshawn said he might be back this week. But look, when you're in preseason practice, Josh Van's played a good bit of football. Marshawn Lloyd hasn't played as much as his age would indicate because he, of course, missed an entire season as a freshman due to an ACL tear that he was recovering from and didn't play as much last year because some guys are in front of him. He was still coming back, et cetera. But there is a difference even in preseason camp between, all right, let's rest the guy during the game week and then go play him in the game. 
you know, you're going to push the envelope more during the season because you get 12 games a season at a minimum. I mean, that's, that's all you're guaranteed is 12 games. So you're going to play a guy right now. Could either of those guys go out there and play? I mean, there's a good chance that they would from everything that we've seen, all the information that we have to go on. Uh, but you don't want to do that at this point. So, yes, while it'd be great for them to go out there and have the practice reps, you do have to have that balancing act to make sure that guys are as healthy as possible going into September 3rd, and then you have to try to keep them that way. They're going to get banged up. They're going to get hurt during the season. Um, they're going to get banged up and hurt at times during preseason camp as well. Um, so you just have to try to minimize that and balance it. And preseason camp isn't the time to go push in the envelope to to push guys out there when they're when they're not quite ready. Yeah, D. Gandy making the comment here on YouTube says, I love that we're having physical scrimmages. You practice soft, you play soft. And speaking of balance, that, that's another part of this balancing act is how do you build physical toughness? How do you build physical expectations, uh, both from an O-line, D-line standpoint, from a, a tackling standpoint? How do you do all those things? And also avoid injuries. And I think the old, the old school approach was obviously that preseason camp, you grind your guys into the ground. You know, like it was it was unheard of for you to, you know, oh, you can't do two-a-days. It was unheard of to, to probably not hit. Like I, I would imagine that, that's one thing we need to ask Preston Thorne. How often did they tackle to the ground during the Holtz era? And it wasn't just Lou Holtz. That was just kind of the era they were in overall in college football. How often did they hit compared to maybe a a practice now? Um, They're much more careful, much more um, cognizant about the physical toll on these kids' bodies. But I uh, also think, Chris, there's the the interesting thing about Shane Beamer is he sort of mixes the old school and the new school. And um, they know this offensive line. It's going to have to be better than it was last year. And they know that their run defense is going to have to be better than it was last year. I would imagine it's hard to improve those two things without, you know, hat on a hat at times. And even even if you're not tackling to the ground, you can still do a lot from an O-line, D-line hitting standpoint. But it's just not quite the same, I would imagine, as if you're actually going full-on, all-out scrimmage, everybody's given 100%. So it is a huge balancing act that um, every coach in the country has to walk, and it may be different for their team compared to any other team, I would think. Yeah, it's, it's always funny because, like, you think back to Steve Spurrier's practices. Remember, we used to get to sit out there, West for the entire practice, and Steve Spurrier hated – well, and every coach hates a player getting hurt, right? I'm not saying that, but he was abnormally just livid if a player got injured in practice. Even if a guy get hit too hard, he 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 could not stand that. And so their practices in tone and physicality and even in intensity, it was a lot more loosey-goosey than what you see from South Carolina now under Will Muschamp or under Shane Beamer or across college football. Um, They're just a lot more loosey-goosey. That's what they were. They were in their best years loaded with talent, which I think helped. But I remember even, Wes, the Gamecock Central message boards would light up after certain games where the defense didn't have 
a performance up to their standards? Are they practicing tackling in practice? Are they hitting anybody? Do they need to do more? Do they need to be more physical? And so there's always that line, you know, between that. Because if you tackle live, if you're playing football, you're going to have football injuries, same as a game. So um, the, the practices can be pretty intense. And, and you need to have that physicality. I mean, it's a good point that was made. Practice off, play off. There's something to that. Uh, but you can't completely beat up the guys either. So it, it's something that's tough that coaches talk about, you know, a ton and occupies a lot more time than I think people realize. Yeah, so we'll um, we'll hope to get some more on those injuries moving forward here soon as far as what happened in the scrimmage. Was there anything, uh, anything serious there? Hopefully not. Um, again, both Josh Van and Marshawn Lloyd speaking today to the media. Um, you know, I, I think just the fact those guys were able to walk in there and we're talking to the media about their injuries usually is a pretty good sign that um, that they're going to be fine. Um, Van, from what I saw, did not actually give specifics on his injuries. Um, he said, uh, basically, he said, it's never good sitting out. He said, they have me doing my mechanics and making sure I'm not overdoing it. Um, I'm taking baby steps for when I go back on the field. It was interesting, Chris. The, one of the previous open practices – we noticed Van was not out there working in the 11 on 11, but he was still dressed out. Like he was still at practice. Um, he wasn't even in a non-contact. So I, I think, um, you know, maybe something happened after then, but the fact he wasn't with the ones at that time tells me maybe they were already kind of just limiting him and being careful with him. Um, sometimes as Beamer explained, you have guys do a certain set of drills, but you hold them out of other drills that maybe you're going to be a little bit harder on whatever injury it is that they have. Um, Marshawn Lloyd giving a little bit more uh, insight on what he has. He said he has a, quote, minor sprain in his foot. Uh, let's see. He said, quote, it wasn't anything major. We're just watching. Today I was in the weight room doing extra conditioning. I've just been getting ready if I go back this week, if I did go back this week. So um, Marshawn saying or indicating there's a, a good chance or at least a chance that he will be back out there this week. And again, like we said on 107.5 this morning, man, I get, you know, Pearson Fowler made a good point. You want as many reps of your offensive guys as possible right now because they're trying to make major strides from last year. But for a running back, you start talking about feet, ankles, anything involving cutting for those guys, really any position on the field in football, feet and ankles kind of scare me. So that's when I say, go super, super conservative, super cautious on getting these guys back. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is, you know, you think about running backs and what they have to do, receivers, you're planning, cutting. You know, if you just go up and watch, like you can watch it on TV, that's one thing, and you see how these guys move around. But when you're down like field level and you're watching these guys even warm up running routes on air, you're like, God, look at that cut. I mean, it's violent, you know, and so – you're talking about feet, ankles, knees, all that type of stuff, lower body body injury, injuries for these guys. You definitely have to be careful with that. Yeah, so a guy like Van who's expected to play a huge role, same for Marshawn Lloyd. Again, it's this balance between, yeah, you want to get him reps. Uh, there's certainly a lot to improve on from what we saw last season, uh, but you, you, can't, you can't get him hurt any worse. And so uh, it appears, Wes, that the way this is all being categorized is it they should be back soon, but you always have to kind of, you know, bear it in your mind. I think this is what you're alluding to, that 
you know, you don't want those things to get worse. You don't want them to go on longer than anticipated. Definitely, man. So, all right, let's talk a little bit more specifics about the scrimmage based on a couple little things we've heard, but also we'll, we'll kind of let Shane Beamer be our guide um, here. I, I think, Chris, first of all, typical scrimmage stuff. Like this is – you have, you know, offense does pretty well, defense does pretty well. There's good, there's bad, there's ugly in every single first scrimmage in the history of football. Beamer noting that the offense moved the ball. Beamer also noting that the defense – at times seemed to get the better of the offense in the red zone. And that was a big point of emphasis there um, or will be a point of emphasis moving forward based on what happened in the scrimmage. So sounds pretty typical, uh, but a couple of interesting notes that have caught my eye, caught my attention. We've, we've talked quite a bit. We've talked enough. We probably don't even need to go back into it about the possibility of even worry helping this team as a freshman. But how about the love that DQ Smith got? from Shane Beamer, so, you know, saying this guy's a football player. Anytime, Chris, somebody – anytime a coach puts the he's a football player label on a guy, like the, the siren goes off for me. That means this guy is going to help. He's going to transition from quarterback to DB. That's that's tough. Um, so I, I don't want to put, like, unrealistic thoughts on him. But, dude, the, the coach already bragging on him just offhand – what are we – I mean, that would have been nine days in, scrimmage number one. That's that that's worth noting. That's worth us um, talking about. Oh, absolutely. And I thought that this would come at some point, to be quite honest. I didn't think it would come this soon. You're right. This is early into preseason camp as, as a true freshman. And D.Q. Smith didn't go through preseason – or, I mean, spring ball. He didn't go through spring ball. He was a later arrival for South Carolina. But I think when you look at these guys that get that football player label, which you're right, is a high, high compliment. It's the best you can get. You know, I think you look at the traits that he brings, and that's what's helped him so much. He's got really good size. Um, He was a really good player in high school. He was a high school quarterback. Sometimes you see that. Like you saw DJ Swearinger played quarterback, receiver, DB for his high school team at Greenwood. You also see um, – you saw Stefan Gilmore, you know, same thing, uh, you know, playing DB and quarterback. DQ Smith hasn't played DB, from what I was told, since like middle school. So, been a little longer for him. Definitely a transition in terms of technique. But what he has is the traits. He's got the size. He has a very high football IQ, and he's very tough. Uh, Robin Bacon, head coach at Spring Valley, told me a story last year, um, or it might have been earlier this year, that they after South Carolina got DQ in the boat, saying that basically when Tory and Gray, South Carolina's DB's coach, scouted um, scouted DQ Smith at a game, you know he's obviously over there watching him play offense and kind of seeing how it's going to translate, and talked about DQ just running over defenders en route to a touchdown and that really stood out so he's going to be a tough physical kid mentally he's got it together so this has the makings of a really good get so you got an in-state safety pair that's already grabbing some attention from the coaching staff that is a is a nice thing to have for the future and in the short term because this is a this is a kind of a short staffed position on the roster 
the future is now, I think, for, for that group. Uh, ideal, probably not, but that's the position they're in. I mean, I remember Torian Gray in the spring, and, you know, Chris, no, no offense at all to anybody that's a walk-on or, you know, trying to kind of make their impact on this team from that walk-on position. Um, I respect the heck out of the guys that can do that. But when you're talking about safety depth and Torian Gray in the spring says, hey, you know, we got Devonnie Reed and R.J. Roderick as our probably starters, and then he starts listing off a lot of walk-ons. Um, <laughs> yeah. That grabs your attention for, you know, for for not the great reasons. So I think the fact that Eamon Worry was already working in there with the twos and the little bit of open practice we saw in the 11-on-11 stuff and that Beamer's talking about D.Q. Smith the way he he has been, at some point you just got to feel like those guys are going to kind of get thrown into the fire and and be asked to to go make an impact on this team. But but long-term, I mean, that's a, that's a great sign. And it, it kind of hit me, man, you look – I mean, look at this secondary. Cam Smith, uh, South Carolina guy, te- technically, he uh, he actually moved, I believe, from Maryland, uh, you know, at, at some point in his life, but um, graduated from a South Carolina high school. Darius Rush, South Carolina kid. Uh, Marcellus Dow, South Carolina kid via JUCO. Uh, RJ Roderick, South Carolina kid. Now, Eamon Worry, and of course, uh, DQ Smith, both, as you said, local guys from Irmo and Spring Valley. Um, Devonnie Reed, a little bit of an outlier there coming in from Detroit, but it's, it's a very Palmetto state heavy secondary group. And that is a position this state has, has put some guys out and it's, it's kind of funny. It's not always, you know, there's been the Gilmores, don't get me wrong, but it's not always the highly regarded, highly recruited guys. I mean, look at Darius Rush, look at the strides that kid has made, um, kid that grown man at this point has made throughout his time at South Carolina absolutely and and Aaron Gibson on Facebook Isaiah Norris T.L. Hanna guy via way of of Juco um you're, you're right it's not all DJ Swearinger was I mean he was a high three-star but it's not like he was one of the most sought after players in the country I mean committed mm-hmm. to Tennessee at one point ends up head South Carolina's way you look at Gilmore, Devontae Holloman, they were highly ranked guys. Holloman, of course, more of a Charlotte guy, but did play his senior year at, in Rock Hill. So it, it's it's significant. Um, definite South Carolina flavor. You look back in the spring at exactly what you're describing with Tory and Gray, and, and you look out there, and you've kind of got the starters with Reed, who's a transfer. you got Roderick, both upperclassmen. So you're looking short and long-term. Short-term, you're looking at not much depth because you've got Tyrese Ross. You've got Peyton Williams, who's a true freshman, going through spring ball. And like you said, some walk-ons. And there's some guys that have made some noise for various reasons back there, like Joseph Burns from Camden. Done some good things, but it's just not a great picture because you don't have a too deep of guys with a lot of experience. So they're emer- – they're, emergence if that's a word is really a positive development for the short term for this season and obviously into the future since they're so young yeah i will confirm i believe that is a word so you're good there but um let's talk a little bit of recruiting men speaking of uh secondary speaking defensive back um vakari swain listed as an athlete i i think the the word there is that he probably will start out at DB. That's kind of been, you know, the first time I talked to the kid, he doesn't do a ton of interviews. First time I talked to him, it was Torian Gray this, Torian Gray that. Um, Torian Gray's been, you know, talking to me a lot, great relationship. 
Um, Carolina does like him as a guy who could play receiver as well. Like they think his ability, his skill set would work at either side. So you can't rule out offense or defense in this case. Seems like it's ended up being defense, but you made the comment earlier today, man, on 107.5. You pull up the clips, which I'm about to do. There's a lot of offense on this highlight as well. So three-star guy commits to South Carolina. Maryland involved, Vandy involved, Mississippi State involved. What uh, what are your thoughts on the Vakari Swain um, commitment, Chris, as we uh, hopefully here in a moment pull up some of his highlights? Yeah, I, I like this pickup for South Carolina. I think he could end up being a guy that we look back in three or four years, kind of like a Darius Rush that ends up being an undervalued, a guy that definitely outplays his ranking because he's got – raw athleticism um you look at him on film again a lot of offense but he's got you know he looks to me a little bigger and longer than his listed size indicates good ball skills as you pointed out earlier today um seems like a guy that's just i'll put the tag on just seems like a football player you know seems to love to play versatile guy the db clips that he does have i think think some of those same traits you know, serve him well. He's got the length. He's got the ball skills. He tracks things well. Um, probably not going to be among the fastest players on the team, a longer strider. Um, but still, you know, he, he can make some things happen in the open field on offense, and that's a trait that can really help you carry over to DB. I, I like him regardless, you know, of where they end up playing. But, Wes, as you know, I'm a big fan of taking guys and turning them into DBs. I mean, yeah, big fan. You have DB all the way, don't you? I have him DB all the way. I do. Corner or safety, you think? You know, when, when Darius came out, and you, you're going to be like, well, you don't get credit if you try to turn every receiver into a DB. But I did like Darius more – because we saw Darius in camp yeah. very extensively. And I always liked him as a DB because he was so long and rangy and all those types of things. Um, I had always envisioned kind of Darius as a safety, which he did spend some time there. As it turns out, he's developed into a, a really quality – NFL level, we think, corner prospects. So um, I was more inclined to say safety. But when I look at when I look at where Torrey and Gray slotted some guys, like from the freshman class, it's mm-hmm. been kind of interesting, right? Like Keenan Nelson is going to start out as corner. I thought he was more of a safety, you know. So maybe this guy's a corner for you. Could be. I, I think some of it, man, is going to depend on weight and uh, what he adds to the frame. Um Dude, he may get there and just want to play receiver, though. I mean, watching watching with the ball in his hands and, and the ball skills, like he he goes and catches the football. Um, any and he does God, he doesn't have it on in this clip, but um, I have this thing. You you know how when people like professional, not that I'm this, not that I'm a scout, but scouts have these like weird things they look for in guys and like it in in baseball. They'll say like the guys have this guy has he has the face. Like literally that's a thing in baseball. Like this guy, this guy's got the face. He's got the look. Um the first clips 
Bakari Swain had the he had the towel that's like attached to him, and you see okay. the towel just waving in the like when they're making moves in the open field, and you see that towel just waving behind him. Guys that have the towel waving behind them almost always end up being good players. That's a hit rate. That's a yeah. hit rate thing. Yeah, hit rate. Nice. That always makes me think of Moneyball when they're sitting in there talking around the yeah. table and Brad Pitt, get, Billy Bean gets all mad because they're like, uh, ugly girlfriend means no confidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, the stuff scouts will look at. I, um, I've never heard your towel corollary. I like this. Yeah. Here is there a towel? Oh, no. God damn it. Um, anyway. People listening on the podcast can be like, what is he talking about? People have seen the video. Um, if you run it back, the very beginning, um, he had, I think Alshon was one of the first ones I, I noticed that with because he had the towel in his high school film. Um, okay. Maybe Shaq Rowland as well. Um, these people are like, what are these idiots talking about? <laughs> so, Bakari Swain in the boat. Gamecocks hope to get Xavier McLeod in the boat on Thursday, 5 p.m. in Camden at their stadium. He'll be making his announcement. Um, the the top group, the, the teams to watch, um, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida. Um, you can throw Michigan in there if you want, officially. Texas A&M, officially. I can't even remember the sixth, officially. Was it LSU? I know LSU was highly in there at one point, but – but the, the three to watch, I think, are South Carolina, Georgia, Florida. The two to watch, in my opinion, at this point, are South Carolina and Georgia. So, um, Chris, I, it's been it's been a very interesting recruitment. I have always thought it would circle back and be South Carolina. Um, now we're in we're in the end we're in the end stretch, the final home stretch here. Sometimes things get crazy at the end of a recruitment, you know. Marquis Anderson, for example, was a Gamecock lean, in my opinion, for almost the entire process. And then a week before, North Carolina, North Carolina's flipped him. North Carolina's going to get, you know, and and you start hearing that from, from quality sources. This isn't people on the internet making stuff up. So... South Carolina is involved. Georgia heavily involved. Georgia maybe a little bit closer in this thing than we would have thought, but um, it's going to be interesting to see if the Gamecocks can hold everybody off in the end because I do think they've kind of been the school everybody thought he would ultimately end up at. To your bigger picture point, I think – when, when you want to be in big recruiting battles to get guys, when, when you're in the, the recruiting battles with brand name programs, the more of those that you have, the better. And obviously you do have to win them. If you finish second on all of them, not great. But go back and just look at some of the, all of them, all the big past recruiting battles with the schools of the caliber that you named. Some of the best players that South Carolina have had the most highly rated guys, there's a reason it's called a battle. I think sometimes folks get frustrated when they say, well, if a guy's going to come here, why is he not committed? It's because it's hard. Recruiting's hard. These kids, 
get pulled in a million different directions. And so even if there's a school that he's kind of always been expected to go to and they end up getting him, that doesn't mean it was easy. I mean, Stephon Gilmore was a Clemson lean for the longest time. Carolina gets him. Jadavion Clowney, Gamecock lean for a very long time. But you don't think Alabama made that extremely tough? Um, you look at, I mean, I mentioned Swearinger and Holloman. They were committed to other schools. Marcus Lattimore, as much as he loved the Gamecocks and as much as they were the perceived favorite for most of the time. Remember Auburn, Oregon, Penn State. It's hard, you know, when you recruit these guys. So um, the, you, you always – and this is not exclusive to South Carolina. I mean, it's all these different schools. We talk to a bunch of people that cover other programs in the industry, and it happens so much it's really funny, you know, down the stretch. This kid, kid A, that's expected to probably commit to school A, but you hear 24, 48 hours before the announcement, well, school B's made a big push. You know, so it's, it's a difficult thing, and that's it's part of the fun in recruiting. But, um, you know, like you said, South Carolina has been the strongest, the longest, but there's work to do, you know, ultimately to to hold off Georgia and the others. And it is kind of interesting that it's Georgia, man, because South Carolina's strongest, longest, but Georgia, that was the initial other team. Like all these other – there's been several other other teams that have had their moment in the sun when it comes to his recruitment. If you really were like following this thing behind the scenes, like locally to Camden, Florida had a little stretch there where Florida is, you know, L- I think the LSU guys, there was maybe even a prediction at one point for, for LSU to land him or LSU's writers felt pretty strongly. And it was because he had visited LSU and had a fantastic time. Michigan had a little moment there. Shoot, Texas A&M had a little moment where they really had this. So you've, you've had other schools, but – so it's easy to want to be like, well, nah, it's always going to come back to South Carolina. But let's go back. Let's dive into it a little bit more. Will Muschamp is at Georgia as their defense coordinator. Who was the head coach for the school that first offered McLeod? It was South Carolina, but it was head coach Will Muschamp. So it, it's kind of, to me, both of those schools have been and the people involved have been very involved here for a long, long time. So really no surprise or shock that it comes down to South Carolina and Georgia. Um, I'll be very curious to see what happens five o'clock Thursday. If you just made me guess, made me predict, I'd stick with South Carolina. But if I had, if I had my life on the line, I would not be feeling very comfortable because I don't think it's, I don't think it's a lock by by any means. So we, we'll all find out. We'll of course keep digging. We'll keep uh, we'll give some updates on Gamecock Central if we get anything else. But um, who knows? Would be a big get that would give them three out of the top four prospects in the state of South Carolina for class of 2023. And um, really, that was the goal. I think uh, Monroe Freeling kind of been a long shot for a while. So you knew if you could get those three: um, Montague Rames, Marky Anderson, and McLeod, be in pretty good shape. Um, recruiting wise, any, anything else we need to hit on Chris? I mean, for the most part, these guys, South Carolina has been trying to close on, um, have kind of already made their decisions or have maybe pushed back decisions in a couple of cases. Um, there is a, I'm going to get you to help me again. There is the edge rusher, four-star guy. I've heard little rumblings. The Gamecocks may be in a little bit better spot 
um, than maybe the perception. Yeah, Desmond Yumiozulu. Yumiozulu. Uh, from, from the DMV, yep. Stud. S- South Carolina-Ohio State battle perceived primarily. August 29th decision date. Did some checking on this one earlier today, Wes. Like you said, I think South Carolina has quietly established itself as a, a significant factor. Will they overtake Ohio State? I'm not sure on that. Um, Ohio State still appears to be fairly strong or a pretty, pretty big factor there, but Gamecocks in the game there with Yumi Ozulo. Sterling Lucas is the edge coach for the Gamecocks. done a really nice job. And they're trying to they're trying to figure out who's going to kind of pair up with Montague, you know, in this class opposite him at edge. So we'll see. But a couple couple of weeks till his decision, he's going to announce uh, right at the end of the month. We'll certainly be tracking that moving forward. Uh, let's see. All right, we're going to get out of here a little bit early, but final couple of thoughts here, Chris. I'm trying to think. Did we hit everything we said we were going to hit today? I think we did for the most part. But I want to mention how about the comments from Shane Beamer on Luke Doty. Um, Extremely high praise for Luke Doty from Shane Beamer. And not just about the way Doty carries himself, which has been a given since the second he arrived on campus, but also his performance so far through uh, the first week plus of uh, of preseason practice. And sounds like a, a good scrimmage performance from Doty as well. Well, the, the physical talent of Luke Doty has never really been in question. Like, you've always liked that. He's just ha- he's had a tough time during his career at South Carolina. He came in that 2020 class with Marshawn Lloyd, Jordan Birch, Boogie Huntley, those other guys. And, you know, what we've seen from him is he's been banged up. He's had some pretty significant injury. Um, he's splitting time between receiver and quarterback. He's getting – thrown into the mix as a true freshman at quarterback under an interim staff when the season's not going well, wins the job last year, gets injured. So he's had a tough go of it. Now that he's been fully healthy, he's in year two of this offense, it seems like he's becoming more and more comfortable. Um, Again, physical talent is there. He can run. He's continued developing as a passer, which I think was kind of his next step in progression. He stayed healthy. And the leadership qualities are, are certainly there for Luke Doty. So that's a that's a very positive development for Doty and, and for South Carolina too. Yeah, and I don't want to rehash what I've said several, several times, Chris, but just always important to remember, man, this is not a quarterback who has played uh, you know, a hundred, two hundred, three hundred games at the position. Um sophomore year in high school, he played receiver. Junior year, you know, I, I think he played pretty much a full season at quarterback. But then senior year in high school, he got hurt, uh, missed the final basically half of that senior as well, or, or that season, I should say. Then shows up at South Carolina, they want to play him at receiver. So he spends all this time at receiver, really more time at receiver than I think they even let on at the beginning of that season. Throw him into the fire at quarterback. Next year, he comes back. He's supposed to be the guy. And then he's playing basically on a foot that is less than 100% for a guy who is going to rely on some athleticism at at times. So it's not really fair to judge the guy based on what his career has been so far on the field. So I I think um, you're happy for a guy like Luke, but it's also a great sign for, for South Carolina as well that they're getting this type of production so far 
from the quarterback position. Add in, dude, I've heard positive early returns on Tanner Bailey. Look at Jalen Daniels, the walk-on there, extremely high on. Um, position set up pretty well, I, I think, now they feel like, as far as depth and potentially for the future, too. Uh, let's see. Rest of the week, man, what uh, – anything you're you're excited or curious to hear about or see or learn about? Well, I'll tell you one thing I'm excited about is the Gamecock Central preseason kickoff party at Steel Hands Brewing, and that, of course, is presented – primarily by 1801 Venture Club. I'm also excited, Wes, about continuing to let Gamecock fans know about 1801 Venture Club, what they're all about. We're going to have a lot more on that, not only at the party, which is on Saturday, August 20th, but throughout this week here on GC Live and on GamecockCentral.com and on our social channels. Um, Really excited about the party. It's coming together extremely well. If you don't have the party is free, concerts free, you can hang out. It's going to be awesome. But if you want some perks and your special access, check out VIP tickets. Wes, at last check, very close to selling out on the VIP tickets. So if you're thinking about it or saying, I'll do that on Thursday, and you may not have the chance on Thursday. So go check that out. And Wes, I'm not going to announce it yet. But something we've been working on for a guest in the VIP area has on this show come to fruition during the show. It is happening. A, a, a really big one? A really big one that's happening. Wow. Not time to be determined. I know we have our ideal time. Still working on that because of some scheduling, but it is going to be quite a perk for VIP folks. That. That's what you that's what you call a tease in the radio. It's a tease. Um, that's exciting. We'll, we'll announce that pretty soon, I would imagine. Uh, we've already announced uh, Marshawn Lloyd, South Carolina running back. He'll be a part of the meet and greet part uh, from 2 o'clock to 2.30, time subject to change. Obviously, as you all probably know, we've got to work around their schedules, and we're fully willing to do that. But um, VIP, VIP meet and greet area will feature Marshawn Lloyd. Go ahead and tell you all this too, because we're going to put it on social later on. To carry on, Joiner will be there. Um, Javon Gwynn will be there. We'll, we'll announce some more later on, but we're going to have some current players working on uh, having some Letterman out there, some former players that'll be walking around VIP area too. And uh, we're excited, man. It's going to be fun. We're going to tell you a little bit more about 1801 Venture Club later on this week. And um, I'm excited for everybody to learn about this most recent guest. Y'all are y'all are going to love this one like this that's a big one and so seriously i mean the vip tickets you get the meet and greets you get special you know what is it drink tickets drink tickets um closer stage now i don't know if they'll consider this a perk Wes, but you and i'll be there hanging out we will we will Um, we all hang out here so we might as well hang out at the party too so i have a prediction when we announce this final guest we're going to sell out i think so i think so and we might have prompted some people to just go ahead and just uh, that, see that that's that's what i'm saying like if yeah. you if you want to guarantee your spot go you know matter of fact i'm i'm going to do y'all a favor if you're still on here listening to us talk um tease yeah <laughs> I'm going to throw the link yep. to the party in here. Um, 
That is helpful. That's it, tickets. Again, y'all, you can come out completely free and watch the on-stage part. Um, VIP is for meet and greet part. So just take that for what it is. Just stick that under your hat. Yeah. People are saying uh, Beamer, Beamer, Beamer. Beamer, hey, Beamer was at the party last year. All I'm it saying, was. Beamer was at the party last year. But I will go ahead and tell y'all, it is not Shane Beamer that we're talking about here for the meet and greet. The South Carolina has a scrimmage that day. So, yep. it's not Shane Beamer that we're talking about. That is not. Um, you know you know what else? Speaking of talking, I didn't talk for one moment. Um, y'all don't leave yet. Trust me, because I just need to say this. Liberty Tax, our good friends, 803-462-5576, a big-time sponsor of the show. We appreciate Larry and the tax team at Liberty Tax. Uh, by the way, Larry is so into this stuff that his actual email dr- address is Larry the Taxman. So uh, that is the person you want helping you do your taxes. I know it's not tax season right now, but uh, if you need bookkeeping and payroll service for LLCs, S-Corps, C-Corps. If you owe money to the IRS, which would suck, he can help walk you through that process. They got a new location, 551 St. Andrews Road. That's by the Harbor Freight. Lexington office is by the Dunkin' Donuts, 1123 South Lake Drive. And in Irmo by Kroger at 7467 St. Andrews Road, 803-462-5576. My man, Larry, we appreciate you. Had to get that in. I'm not going to lie. I almost forgot. So, um, Larry, we love you, man. Appreciate you being a sponsor. Y'all support Larry. Tax time will be here actually before you know it. Scott says Muschamp. Can also tell you it's not Will Muschamp. It is not. Can you confirm that, Chris? I don't I don't know who it is, I guess. You haven't actually told me. So Yeah. I think you know. Technically. Yeah, I know. I know. Can't wait. Somebody says Darius Rucker. It is Darius Rucker did not play at South Carolina. So this is an athlete. I will give you all that. Yeah. Is an athlete. A very good athlete. Very. Are we done? Are we done? We're done, man. We're gonna leave it at that. For Chris, I'm Wes. Hey, this has been fun. Wait, we had huge numbers, by the way, on the show today. Oh, Appreciate yeah. y'all watching. It is never taken for granted. I promise you that. Appreciate the support. He's Chris. I'm Wes. We'll see you soon. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.